All right, welcome to Sex and Violence, a podcast about movies, sex, violence, punk rock, boobs, guns, gore, etc. All you could ever want from B Movie Gold. I am your co-host Gabriel Mara, and here is your real host, the man of the plan, the man of the beard, and the man whose couch I'm sitting on. I'm Ryan Snyder, your host. Oh yeah. Um, how are you, Ryan? Oh, uh, you know, dude. Punk rock movies, they get me in such a good mood. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell the audience, since our first episode, who are you, Ryan, and why should we care? I watch a lot of movies, and I'm here to give you my, well, just one of my opinions. So, Ryan, our show is called Sex and Violence. Um, why is it called that? So we're calling the show Sex and Violence because those are the movies that are outside the realm of, uh, I'm not going to say good films, but like really the, the films you hold up in as Oscar contenders. These are the films mm -hmm. that are down in the dirt and you kind of talk about with like really close friends. I wouldn't even say really close friends, just the, the movies that are just so down and dirty and you just can only recommend them to a certain type of people. It's like your friends reject Oscar bait and they want something more earthy, something they can pick out of their fingernails. Like check out these movies that we're watching. That's what we're all about. We're about the sex and the violence. What's, what's, what's our name from, Ryan? Our name, our name actually came from a... You and I talking about a favorite film of ours that we both enjoyed as teenagers, SLC Punk. Mm -hmm. And in that movie, they do, I think it's the uh, the opening of the movie, uh, over the opening credits, they do uh, the song Sex and Violence, which is a five-minute-long song repeating only the words Sex and Violence. Fantastic. It's by The Exploited. Ah, uh, yeah, great, great little punk rock song. And I think that's what the approach that I really was hoping we would take with this is kind of have it be like a very punk rock kind of uh, mm -hmm. podcast because a lot of the people that I, I knew in my youth that were like big punk rockers really like these kind of schlocky, violent, sexy movies. Uh -huh. And these are always the people that kind of introduced me to these kind of things. Uh, all the Grindhouse movies of the 70s and even the movie Grindhouse from uh -huh. 07, 06, whatever it was. Uh, so I really just wanted to touch upon that with all these movies. Like... You and I are both big movie fans, as we're, we always say. Uh, we're a bunch of nerds, yeah. A bunch of nerds about movies. We watch everything. We're not above watching all the Oscar bait, but sometimes you just got to get down in the dirt and watch a little bit of, uh, I don't know, Lone Wolf and Cub or uh -huh. whatever else we got on the shelf. We got Carrie up there. I think that's another one we're talking it's about. It's in doing. quotations for some reason. It is. It's the uh, little shout. <laughs> it's Carrie. Shout out to Shout Factory for that release. Love it. <laughs> so that's oh, pretty nice. much the format I, there. I missed that entirely. Oh, thank you. That's great. I also also have center stage on there. That's not me. That's my, <laughs> there's things on there that belong to my wife, which you cannot hold me accountable for. Mm -hmm. I still don't understand why we have a copy of Dirty Dancing Havana Nights. And I think not that Dirty we Dancing. should save that for like a random episode. That every few we should do a non-sex and violent film of just a random film that Ryan's wife picks for us and like <laughs> Havana Nights. That would be like, so bad. Like, why the bad. fuck are we watching Havana Nights? Like, I'm I'm into it. I don't know why I even own it. <sighs> no, I really love the movie Take the Lead, starring uh, Antonio Banderas. That's a good one. I like dancing movies I, I i watch everything listeners that's what i'm all about just but part like back to the theme of the show that i feel that you can't be a real like film fan if you don't really if all you watch are the oscar bait things that like that's kind of that makes you like a little high or all flu. the all the you know the big names from all your uh, big name directors like hey yeah. we can all agree goodfellas is a great movie yes but come on there's <laughs> There's some other little gems out there. You just got to turn off your brain and enjoy the, uh, the, the samurai swords to the face. Exactly. You have to find... If and to tits. Enjoy your we were talking like... about how much we love boobs, too. Yeah. It's, it's an important part of filmmaking. I don't think a lot, many directors realize how important boobs are to a mm -hmm. film. Like, uh, 
Weird quick side question that I think I've always wanted to use. So that's why I always like as a barometer for people. It's it's a good question to ask people. What's their favorite Tarantino film? Ooh. And that's always leads into what kind of like film goer are you? That if all you've seen is Pulp Fiction, there's probably a good chance that you're not a film person. That all you, right. you saw that one because you hear it's really good and you had a boyfriend or girlfriend who made you watch it of better taste than you. Because that always happens. And then if you dug deeper, like how much deeper did you dig? Did you go all the way into the ridiculous kung fu movies that Quentin Tarantino likes? Or did you... That's where I'm at right now. <laughs> yeah. There you, go. You, you, you always dig deeper. That, you know, some people aren't interested in expanding their film, like, libraries in their heads. And, you know, we're here to help you out if you want to watch some, some gross good stuff. You're my other guru movie guy, so we figured let's make this podcast and just chit-chat about these stupid punk rock sexy violent movies that we like. The first one, we watched Green Room. We actually just got through watching it, and it was... How long ago did you watch it? You said, like, months ago. Months ago, that I watched it when Prince died. That, it, like, there's that line about Prince being uh, Reese's uh, Desert Island Band, and when I went to go see it with my buddy, um, if you guys might recall, I had another podcast with Daniel Reichel um, a little while ago called That's On My List. Watched it with Daniel, and we both awed when Prince was mentioned, because we watched it the day after he died. I always found it funny with Green Room. Let's just get right into it. The, mm-hmm. the opening part about them using uh, the interview that they had with uh, Who's Your Desert Island Band? And then that's kind of called back later in the movie. Actually, we should say right now, we're just going to spoil the hell out of this movie. We're just going to talk about everything. So here. if you haven't watched it, go watch it. Uh, this is your warning because we're going to be talking about every goddamn thing that happens in this movie. But anyway, uh, they talk about uh, they're being interviewed by this punk rock guy tad tad that's his name tad of the kind of half-assed mohawk and what did they call him he was something of like tadpole a tadpole and he's like just a like a punk rock fashionist fashionist not a fascist <laughs> as like we'll see later fashionista yes he makes uh-huh. coffee and wears pretty dresses mm-hmm. uh but he's interviewing the band and he's asking them all about like what their favorite or what their desert island band would be so they have to pick like the one band they're on a desert island who they'd bring with them uh, and they all go with, like, your standard, like, punk rocky answers. And then later in the film, like, as they're getting, you know, ready to do something crazy, somebody shouts out and says, oh, fuck it, it's... Uh, it was Alia Shawcott who says it was Simon and Garfunkel. Simon and Garfunkel, yeah. Earlier she said a band I've never even heard about that. Like, we're we're pretentious movie people. I mean, me more so than Ryan, I'm sure. A little we bit. Know that. We always try to flaunt our cred a little bit. I'm sure you put a gun to my face. It's be like, what's your favorite movie? It'd be like, The Apartment, the 1960 Best Picture winner by Billy Wilder. At least you're not saying anything by Orson Welles. Who says that? Every pretentious movie person who's ever gone to college for movies. The most pretentious (laughs) film people I know always pick Kubrick. Really? Always. Which Kubrick movie? Usually, uh, like depending on like what kind of dude, like a broy pretentious film person will always go like uh, Shining, or if you're especially douchey, you go with like uh, Barry Lyndon. Like, like, who the fuck cares about Barry Lyndon? Eyes Wide Shut. I like Eyes Wide Shut. It's one of the only ones of his I actually really like. I'm not a Kubrick guy. Yeah, fair enough. Not everybody is, I guess. I guess I'm not really that much of a mm-hmm. Kubrick guy, but a fan of him in mm-hmm. the shining sense. So I guess I'm the bro-y guy, but Maybe. I wouldn't go with that as my favorite movie. Ryan, who's your Desert Island band? Desert Island? Wow, dude, that's a really tough question. You weren't um, even thinking about that during the whole movie? I was, like, waiting for you to ask me, and I'm like... No, I... I I spent maybe a quarter of this movie thinking about my Desert Island band. <laughs> I spent a quarter of this movie thinking about how I would get out of the goddamn green room. Uh-huh. Which is something we touched upon. I mean, uh, you had said, like, this is the movie that subverts that kind of uh, thinking about, well, I would do this in this scenario. Yeah. That, that Nothing will drive me more nuts than watching a movie of someone. 
and then they're going into about the whole, like, oh, if it was me, I'd do this. Like, fuck you. No, you wouldn't. That you're not accounting for panic. You're not accounting for blah, blah, blah. I have an older, like, meathead brother, and that's, like, that's his calling card. I'd be watching, like, a violent cop movie and be like, if it was me, I'd just jump sideways, two guns fire. I'm like, fuck you. No, you wouldn't. You fat sack of shit. You wouldn't do anything of this little <laughs> You sword. can't even jump, let you alone fire jump. a gun. You can't fire. You've never fired a damn gun in your life. That's so you're funny. You're a journalism major. It is always, it's a, a thing that always brings conversation up. It's especially true, because I grew up watching a lot of, like, 80s horror movies, and that's mm-hmm. always a conversation you have with your friends, especially if you go, like, camping. Like, can you imagine if Jason showed up right now? What would you do, You'd man? You'd die. That's what would yeah, happen. Yeah, that's what you would do. Although, they do kind of go with a little bit of a horror movie trope here. Like, should we split up? Which is yeah. always a oh, bad choice. It's always choice. a bad... So, that's what I really like about this movie, going back to what we are saying. It's that... It's an incredibly well-thought-out movie. Let's describe it really quick. It is a thriller about a punk rock band who gets trapped in a green room after witnessing a murder in a Nazi club. So it's about them trying to get out of the green room. It's like a reverse... It's like an invasion movie, but then, you know, like, what's it called? The Straw Dogs or whatever. Okay. So it's all about how they're trying to get out of the place. And it's one of those movies that excites me so much because it's... Like, we watch tons of movies. I'm sure if you're listening to this, so do you. That you can predict what's supposed to happen in movie, like movie language. You look at a close-up, things are supposed to happen because of it. It's all Chekhov's gun stuff. But this is a movie that it subverts your expectations every time you go. That you don't expect who's going to die is going to die. You think someone's going to do something. But everyone is reasonable and everyone is human. So that even if you think if it was you, then there's a good chance that realistically this movie handled it that, oh, no it wouldn't. Yeah, the guy who's like, I know jujitsu and mm-hmm. he's one of the first to die yeah which is it's very sad yeah you grow to love like, these characters so quickly yeah they're it's, it's your typical like kind of like band camaraderie kind of thing where you know if you're in a band it's uh, always been like some kind of unstated fraternity of sorts uh-huh. so to have you know we're gonna hide behind the guy who can who took down the 300-pound meathead who was holding us at gunpoint. That's the mm-hmm. guy whose lead we're going to take. But for some reason in that room, they elect uh, Anton, Anton Yelchin, Yelchin to be the uh, to be the, the voice of reason. I the, think the he's voice the to... leader of the band, and he's the talker of the band. I think they kind of address that in, like, during, the, uh, during the interview. They kind of defer to him, waiting for him to talk about, like... His his band, his band etc. So I think it's because he's, like, their, their leader, their de facto leader. I'm still upset. I never, we never do find out his favorite band. I, yeah. I was thinking about the end if he would have said like a band's name and then said that's my desert island pick. And then the last line of the movie is you know tell it to someone who gives a shit. Mm-hmm. Great last line, but oh, that, maybe it's uh, to keep a little bit of air of mystery about the character, so you yeah. constantly think about it. But he doesn't really give any indication other than what's he wearing a minor threat shirt. Is that what he's wearing? Yeah, a, you're a, you're really the more punk guy than I am. Yeah, slightly. But still. I like I like dabbled. I think you actually. Wet in the water. Uh, yeah, I, I dove in head first. You know, it's angry white kid from the suburbs. Of course, mm-hmm. you end up listening to either uh, gangster rap or uh, old punk rock. But I never dressed the part. It never appealed to me. No, I like I always wanted to, and I, I I dress more punk now than I did when I was like seventeen. That's a good point. And now I have the colorful hair, and I have to wear a leather jacket, and I'm tattooed. But back when I was like seventeen, and actually listening to punk rock, I think it's because I had like a Asian family upbringing, and there was no money or nor accounting for leather jackets and spikes and like safety pins. Yeah. Well, sometimes you have a little bit of extra money for those things, and sometimes you don't. Yeah. You just go to Burger King every time instead. <laughs> uh, so what else about the movie did you like? Oh, I don't know. Like, um, uh, this is probably my number two favorite movie of all of 2016. 
That high on the list. Yeah, for sure. Now, you know, honestly, it didn't work as well the second time around for me. That Maybe because I just... The thrill of it was the expectation. What I thought was going to happen versus what, we, what ended up happening. I mean, we haven't even gone into Patrick Stewart yet discussing this. But he's just like... It's a movie that surprises you. And if you think you know how these movies are supposed to go, it definitely takes it in the opposite direction. And that really... It, I found it thrilling. This time around, I wasn't that into it. I mean, it's still great. But knowing how it ends kind of took it a little, little bit away from me. I'm a little bit opposite on that. I mean, it's... I, I don't think it's going to crack my top ten for the year, or it might just barely. But I did enjoy it more the second time around. I watched it for the first time, like, two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And knowing where everything was kind of... Where all the beats were and what was going to happen, I kind of upped the enjoyment level for me a little bit. Uh, yeah, it's... I, Definitely rewarding on rewatches. There's some movies that I've seen this year that are, you know, I got everything all all I needed to get out of from the first watch. But this is one that definitely, at least in my eyes, benefits from uh, multiple viewings. I can dig that. So about that Patrick Stewart. Uh Uh-huh. He's wonderful in this. He just brings me so much joy. And, like, how much of the movie would you say it's just his voice talking through a door? There's a good portion of it, and it's uh, another kind of subversion of movies that have been out lately uh, with Patrick Stewart. I mean, we've known him for the past almost 20 years as, you know, the leader of the X-Men, this kind young, or this kind old mm-hmm. man who's leading all these young people to have more fulfilling lives, get away from the hatred, uh-huh. and here he is just being like this bastard. Dropping N-bombs. Yeah. And yeah. even before that, he was Captain Jean-Luc Picard. He was. He was Picard. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's kind of refreshing to see him kind of stretching his legs a little bit, taking a role like this that's so uniquely different than the Professor X we've known him as. Uh-huh. Uh, what else has he really done, like, lately? A lot of theater. He has that show, Blood and Talk. Yes, uh, the HBO one. I haven't watched any of you. Yeah, I mean, is that HBO? That was Showtime, or Stars. It's uh, one of the ones I don't have access to. Yeah, it's something, it's not on basic cable. It's mm-hmm. not on AMC, we don't watch it. Mm-hmm. It's so untrue. Yeah, I'm like, what? Yeah, look at your shelf right now. Yeah, there's one AMC show, and I'm not even halfway through it. Is it the Badlands show? It is Badlands. We'll be getting more into the the Badlands type of stuff shortly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gabriel got me on a, a nice little bit of a Japanese film and samurai kick, and we'll be exploring a few of those titles Hell eventually. Yeah. But back to the green room, though. I, mm-hmm. I just can't, I can't say it enough how much I really enjoyed Stuart, and uh, it makes me a little bit sad with uh, Anton Yelchin dying this year, because it was... Yeah, what a drag. It's... Movies like this that really show his potential. Uh, the news hit me like a truck. <laughs> yeah! Sir. Too Tsunami, Sorry. sir. Oh, goodness gracious. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, man. Definitely someone who's going to be missed. He's definitely one of a, a great like supporting actor guy. I don't know if I've really ever seen him that he's the guy carrying it the whole way through. Alpha Dog a little bit, but that was... Oh, um, have you seen Charlie Bartlett? No. That's a pretty good one, actually. That's kind of like a... It's basically a more modern uh, Ferris Bueller with no... like breaking the fourth wall and it gets like desperately sad at parts it's um, actually a really solid movie rdj is in it how old is it 2005 oh so well, was alpha dog was 06 so right about that time so he started yeah. popping around like, oh for sure he 05, came out of nowhere he was great that, um, then, check out um charlie bartlett if you get a chance great sad performance from uh um, robert Downey jr in that <laughs> so ryan what kind of movies do you watch in general and why did you want to watch green room or was this entirely my idea uh, Greenwood was actually something that came, I, I was aware of it, but I hadn't like met anybody that had watched it uh, until I you had told me about it, and uh, I, I picked it up on a blind buy, because 
I had asked you, is it worthy of a blind buy? And you said, absolutely. So, and you're a big blind buyer. Yeah, I am a big blind buyer. There's, uh, I have a lot of, I have access to a lot of streaming services and things, but I, as you, I have a giant wall of movies over here, and there's probably about 30 of them on there I haven't watched. I just bought uh -huh. them on recommendations from people, but I trust your opinion more than others, so I watched it pretty immediately after buying it. But as far as uh, movies I enjoy, I'm all over the board. Uh, I'm huge super movie apologist. Uh, I just watched La La Land this weekend, loved it. Uh, really all over the board. As long as Nicholas Sparks isn't involved, I'll probably uh -huh. take a dive in and try and check it out. But anything that's like, I guess it's probably easier to say things I don't like. Yeah, like you are maybe the only film buff I've ever met who actively dislikes the Coen brothers. Uh, yeah. I think we're definitely get into that at some point. At some point we will, and I will get lit up oh, by great. anyone who's listening to this that's a film addict. But I, mm -hmm. Coen's never did it for me. Maybe I just we're gonna find the one. Yeah, eventually, maybe. But I, I, we're gonna yeah, crack I the code. I don't like Lebowski. I, I, the only one I saw in theaters was. Uh, burn after reading. I remember you said that's, it was one yeah, of their lower points. That's a points. weaker one. It's, it's, it's not that. It's not bad. It's just one of their weaker efforts. And did, they did a No Country, right? Mm -hmm. And No Country didn't do it. Do what I wanted it to do, which is probably I think why everyone likes it so much because it doesn't turn into action. And I, I wanted it. I have so many problems with it, but I'm not going <laughs> to shit talk the Coens. They are, obviously have their fans, so we'll let you guys enjoy them. And, yeah, we want to get them on the show someday. Something. Yeah, they might want to come into my shitty little apartment. Yeah, but hang out with you and your cat. It'll be great. Yeah, they'll be lovely. Well, how about you? What uh, what do you typically watch? What led you to Green Room? I watch pretty much literally everything that I love. Rom-coms, I love violent movies, I love action movies. Uh, there's basically some, like nothing I won't watch unless it's clearly a poorly done cheap movie that... Don't be wrong, I, I hate a lot of movies that I will, like, I have a lot of free time on my hands and I have the movie pass, highly recommend checking that out. So I see, like, whenever I have nothing to do, I just go to the movies, I just try to see literally everything. But when I hear that there's an exciting, smart, dangerous, violent movie, that movie that's supposed to be really intense, something like, when I heard about Green Room, I was like, oh, what's this violent movie everyone's talking about that Patrick Stewart plays a racist in? That sounds awesome. So I really just wanted to see that as soon as it got out. And I definitely caught it right away, and I fell instantly in love with it. Like, I white-knuckled the entire time. All I need from a movie is for it to make me feel something, and I definitely felt a lot during this one. Yeah, same way. When I first watched it, it was like I generally do my all my movie watching very late at night, so I, mm -hmm. I put it on at, like, 1 in the morning, and it was one of those things where I was just, like, ed like literally edge of my seat, like, nervous the entire <laughs> time. Like, you can really feel yourself trapped in that room it's a very claustrophobic movie and even when it uh there's a point in the movie where they find like a literal like another room under the floorboards and even with adding another room it makes the it makes it feel even tighter because mm -hmm. it's like oh there's another room maybe there's another way out of there and it's like nope, nope. just a room full of drugs and money so might like as well shoot impulse, up heroin yeah exactly it's my impulse that if i'm about to die and there's no way out. I'm just gonna start doing drugs. If I'm in a room full of heroin, I'm gonna do some heroin. That sounds rad. Yeah. Great, like best excuse to do heroin. Yeah, that's you're a good about point. to die. Well, especially if you almost had your hand cut off, which mm -hmm. is I wanted to touch upon that, which is one of the most <laughs> visceral scenes in this movie. And you don't ever see them cut his hand either. Yeah. That's extremely good filmmaking. It's really like I, 
as I've said, I've seen many a horror film. It's very hard to make me uncomfortable with a a, uh-huh. a scene of like violence, whether it's over the top or realistic. This one really made me like, oh, oh god! <laughs> it's just that, like it's the way they shoot it, and Anton Yelkin sells it so well. His crying is so real. That's another thing I look for in movies. I look for realistic crying. Because yeah. nothing will make me more kind of, well, that's a huge hyperbole. I really hate it in a movie when people are beautiful crying. Like, did you ever see Closer, the movie from Natalie Portman and Jude Law, Clive Owen, and Julia Roberts? So you really do watch everything, and I really don't watch anything. Oh, yeah, no, I, I watch everything. I'm all about it. And that's, that's a really, really great movie about infidelity and brutal emotions. And at one point, uh, Jude Law is, like, not married. He's in a relationship with Natalie Portman. But he's also cheated on Ellie Portman with Julia Roberts, who is dating or married to Clive Owen. But um, Natalie Portman and Julia Roberts have this, like, like face-off, this quiet conversation. And then at one point, Natalie Portman turns around, and she has one beautiful tear going down her face. And it's like, you're fucking my husband. I'm like, that's not real. <laughs> a beautiful have, tear. Yeah, a exactly. Have, like, have you ever seen yourself while you're crying? You look terrible. You it's crumpled onion face, red and... Those are like making terrible noises like you're having atomic shit. It's yeah, just... <laughs> or as, like, Anton Yelkin is doing, he's the... Ah! Yeah, he really is a miserable crier. Yeah, oh. But, you know, I'm all about it. Miserable crying. That's yeah. Stuff. The way the scene happens is they're trapped in the room and they have, uh... They've gotten a gun away from, uh, one of the henchmen who's, like, pretty Eric much... Eric Edelstein, the comedian, I believe. Yeah, we gotta, we gotta look into that one, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll Google they, it now. They got his gun... And Patrick Stewart's outside this door trying to get them to trade the gun uh, to him in exchange for, like, their safety, essentially. Uh, As he reaches his hand out the door, uh, there's another character looking at these uh, slits in the bottom of the door. And she sees these boots with the red laces, which, very uh, bad thing in the Nazi community. from Or a very good thing for the Nazi community. Like red laces. Well, I suppose it's a. Uh, well, yeah, it's like getting your your first class merit badge. You're getting your first communion. Exactly, you're getting your first communion. <laughs> the Nazis. Yeah, uh, so she's a group of these red laces, and as he's got his hand out the door, she starts screaming that she's seen the red laced boots, and uh, yeah, his arms out the door, and they just cut it to shit. They like shred his, his arm. Like it really, honestly looks. It's like his. They've cut through bone through the wrist, and it's just hanging on by a piece of meat. Uh, uh-huh. it's, it's really brutal uh, they end up like showing it two or three times in like really heavy close up and then they just duct tape it to hell so you don't have to look at that mess for the rest of the movie but it's seared into your head it's done really really well it's a Tom Savini level uh-huh. of uh, uh-huh. special effects well, it's a dark movie and they showed it so immediately and really briskly and it looks real bad and he sells the shit out of it it really do. So, like, it's, one of, it, it's for all of its grossness. Green Room is also a really subtle movie. I feel that mm-hmm. this movie could have. It's um, it's amazing for what it doesn't do. That this movie could have been gross, unpleasant. It's a movie about Nazis, after all, and, and like like gross skinheads. And this movie could have been just thoroughly unpleasant without any likable characters. But what uh, Jeremy Saulnier, the director, what he does so well. They also wrote it is that every single character, American Werewolf in London style, that's one of my focal points. That have, like, I'll compare nearly any movie to that one because... It's that's, great. It's great, and every character, any character as a speaking part is a f- somehow a full-fledged character. It doesn't take a lot to make good characters, people. That's why I hate so many movies today. It's, it, it's not hard. We just give them a little bit of interesting dialogue and have them do something and walk into a room. But every character in this movie, even the Nazis... They all have a small bit of interesting character that proves them to be human. Like, 
Gabe just wants to go home. He has my name. Um, Mark Webber, he had feelings for that girl. Um, that Imogen Poots' friend who gets killed. Even the like temporary bartender. That, like, when you meet him, very briefly early on, he's just like, what? No, I'm covering for him. I'm just doing my, I'm doing my shift. Yeah, nobody everyone, has wasted dialogue. Exactly. Everybody's human and everyone has a use. And when every character dies, and basically every character in this movie dies, then it, you really feel it. And also, at the same time, every death is sudden, violent, and utterly meaningless. So it's like life. Yeah, much like life, much this, like this life. green room. Sudden, violent, and meaningless. I'm... Honestly, I'm a big proponent of this movie. Uh, like we were talking about when we were watching it, there's the uh, the scene when uh, Stephen Stills walks in. Uh-huh. Mark <laughs> so Webber. I'm just going to call him Stephen Stills because I love him. Uh, he walks in and you find out that he was dating the girl who got killed Emily. and they had planned to run away together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's like essentially like, fuck this, I'm breaking you guys out of here. Fuck these Nazi punks, we're done. Uh, he gets a shotgun from the bar and like, oh, but they don't know that I know about. And then, boom, someone blows his head off. Yeah. So the only like real chance of hope these poor bastards had literally gets its head blown off uh-huh. within like three minutes of him deciding that he's going to help them. Yeah, it was like real like uh, Kyle Reese kind of thing. He walks in, yeah. he's like, all right, I'm gonna take care of business now. And Bop, no more. Yeah, Terminator throws his head it's off. Like, Except sorry. in this situation, it's a fat Terminator who blows yeah. his head off. But it's so <laughs> unexpected because, like, you really do feel like it's another one of those uh, things about this movie that it just subverts all the tropes about, like, oh, in every one of these movies, you got to have someone who comes in and gets the characters out. And no, you give them a little glimmer of hope, and then you just yank the rug out from underneath mm-hmm. them and done and I really love that touch it surprised the hell out of me and it just heightened things even more because it's like okay they're gonna get out and then boom no nope not happening yeah like I just love the surprising warmth to this movie really above all it's realistic violence is one thing that's always gonna sell me in a movie that after I saw um have you seen Eastern Promises no Eastern Promises has the best fight scene I've ever seen in any movie ever it's completely... It changes your perspective on fight scenes after you watch that fight scene. Actually, you should watch that in the coming months. Love we'll that add movie. Add it to the list. Yeah, it's, it's great. And basically, um, I'm sure you've heard of it, that the big fight scene in that is it's naked Viggo Mortensen fighting two dudes in a sauna. Oh. And it's the... After you see that fight scene, you can't look at any other fight scene the same way ever again. Because in real life, when you get punched, it hurts. You don't... I don't care how trained you are, you get hit, you're still going to react a little bit. And so whenever you see in a movie, like, like people are going, bop, 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 punch, 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 spin, punch, 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 punch. It's ridiculous. It, it becomes, it looks silly. Unless it's something like a Jackie Chan thing, in which case it's supposed to be ballet and opera and fully choreographed thing. But with, if you're doing any kind of semi-realistic American violence and it's not Eastern Promises, you've lost me. Because every... So not a Zack Snyder fan over here. Yeah, oh yeah, no, don't, yeah, don't. You never get me started on Snyder. <laughs> like, you know how I feel about it. I went on a long monologue to you and another friend of ours about why I think Man of Steel is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. That was uh, that was the infamous New Year's Eve Zack Snyder monologue mm-hmm. as we watched uh, Civil War. Yep. Oh, that was great. That's I so... love Civil War. But this movie's violence is so real, and I love that. That's, that's just attention to detail. That's caring about what happens to your characters and respecting the intelligence of your audience. That, like, I think people expect these days that when you get hurt, it's supposed to bounce off like in the movies. I remember once at my old job, I was working in a coffee shop, and I was just looking, I was rooting around the storage cellar, and from above me, from maybe a one foot, two foot drop, 
a cardboard box filled with cups fell and landed on my head and it hurt and I'm like oh my god if an empty if a, basically a hollow box landed on my head and that hurt me can you imagine and like like Batman begins when the pillar falls on him in the fiery house it's like oh, you yeah. just die you don't you don't talk to like Michael Caine for five minutes and then go fight as Batman. You fucking die if something falls on you. Especially if it's on fire. Especially if it's on fire! So I've, lo- I've come to love realistic violence and it's a huge selling point for me for any movie. Like, fucking Green Room. Like, oh, poor, poor Anton Yelkin. Ah, poor bastard. Poor everyone, really. That when, it, when Tiger gets his throat ripped out by dogs or when Reese gets stabbed, it's all so quick and it's all like, fucking sorry. I think it's uh, maybe it's something about having Nazis as villains again too, because mm-hmm. like and Nazis don't give a shit; they're just brutal. Yeah, and that might add into it a little bit in mm-hmm. this movie. They're very easy to hate, but like you can understand. I mean, of course, the world we live in, we know all about hate groups and all this sure. bullshit. We're and in Pennsylvania; we, we're all about it. Yeah. What 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 do we know most about them is like how violent and awful they can be to other human beings. So you can kind of understand the reality that gets injected into this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the violence, like you said, comes through as visceral and really down-to-earth real world, which just makes it, like, that much scarier. Well, I think that's the cool thing about this movie. I think I'm, I, touch, I touched on it earlier, that even the Nazis are humans. That, like, Patrick Stewart is pissed that this is happening at all. He's not a cackling villain. Someone got killed in his club, and now there's witnesses? That's a drag. Now he has to get all these bodies, take care of everything. He doesn't want to be doing this. This is terrible. This is bad news. And every character is spe- like it's, it takes a very good movie to make you sympathize with the day to day like troubles of being a racist nightclub owner. That it's like wow, I'm. I just want to go home and be a Nazi next to the yeah, fire. Yeah, exactly. I just want to go home and burn some books. Is that a big deal? But I just <laughs> I care about every single one of these characters. Like every single one has a tiny bit of character that makes it seem worthwhile or sad when they're dead, and that's what makes all the violence so much more present and makes all of the storytelling more effective that i don't care about racists and nazis i'm i'm a colorful not white person these are my enemies but man these these poor people the whole movie everyone is just in such a bad situation yeah they just kill uh, other white people in this movie except for uh, i'm not sure what the ethnicity of the uh the female lead in this is um, she's, a, she's, a, she's a tanner she is version. of uh yeah she's um of the uh, i believe the Zionist persuasion. I believe she's Jewish. Oh, so she's one of the chosen. Yeah, she's one of the chosen people. people. Of course. Mm-hmm. The chosen peoples. The chosen peoples. Yes. I'm all about it. Because you're supposed to pluralize both those words. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um, uh, any other notes to say on Green Room, Ryan? Like, uh, what was your feeling about it on the whole? Would you recommend it to other people? Is was it sexy enough and violent enough for you? Uh, not very sexy. Which. I don't know if I should or should not be surprised by it. Uh-huh. I was not at all surprised by the level of violence, but like we just did our little soliloquies on that. We were surprised at how mm-hmm. real it was. Um, I would recommend this to the right person. Uh, I would. I would generally have to say like if you're, you probably know from listening to this if this movie's going to be for you or not, or if you already watched it if it was yeah. for you. The it's, name of our show isn't ironic. Yeah, it's a, truly we're talking about sex and violence in these movies, and this is overly violent um but it's it's sprinkled throughout it's like the whole movie's not just like a goddamn rob zombie movie with people getting their <laughs> tongues chopped out and shit like that it's it's a violent movie um not something i would really recommend my mother watch mm-hmm. i don't think she would enjoy it um 
But there are people that I know that I could definitely recommend this to. Anyone who's uh, probably a fan of horror films, anyone who uh, ever been in a band, probably mm-hmm. find something in these characters to enjoy. Or anyone who's just in the uh, in the mood for like a, a really good thriller. I found it to be a solid flick. It probably, like I said, just going to be right outside my top 10 for the year. But that means it's inside the top 20 for things I've seen this year. Good flick. Would definitely recommend it. Uh, but to the right person. That's mm-hmm. uh, my caveat to that. I can dig that. That's a good point. Um, I love the crap out of this movie against my number two of the year, just underneath its diametric opposite, which is Sing Street. That's Both right. movies about bands, but very, very, very different outcomes. But I'm, uh, I love, I love this thing. It's so you could recommend it to anybody, you think? No, no chance, Lance. That like honestly, for this for this series, I doubt I'm gonna be recommending most of these movies to people unless if they like their schlock or like their pulp. That like. I don't know. I would have to have a good conversation. Like, someone would have to lead with, like, oh, you know what? There's a good violent movie I saw. They'd have to show an interest in, like, realistic film violence or horror and that kind of thing. That I wouldn't recommend it to just any Joe. They have to be a movie person. I would say the weird, the star of this movie isn't even the actors. It's really just the writing and the directing. It's, it's, a, it's a filmmaker's movie, and it's phenomenal. Yeah, it's strong, strong all the way through story-wise. Uh... There was never really a moment where I was really thinking I knew where the movie was going. Every time I thought I knew where it was going, it completely, you know, bitch slapped me. And it was like, no, stupid. This is where <laughs> it's going. And that's uh, that's always something that is wonderful to see in a film because there's so many things. Because we've both watched so many movies. There's How many times can you watch a movie and know exactly where it's going? Uh, a lot, apparently. Yeah, a lot of times where we do this, and you, you're watching movies, it's like, I know what that guy's going to do next. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I do New <laughs> York like... I always go to New York for <laughs> stupid shit like that. You're New York thug. Yeah, all the fucking time. I love it. I'll switch to another accent sometime. Mm-hmm. Offending the New York fans. Right, so that was our discussion on Green Room. Please kindly check it out. It's currently streaming on Amazon Prime. Obviously, I don't know why I'm telling you to see it. You've clearly seen it if you're listening to this. But, great time. Uh, I'm going to set up a Twitter for this show as well as an email, so eventually we get back to us. But other than that, uh, Ryan, what's our next movie? The next movie we're going to watch, uh, let's do Lone Wolf and Cub, the first, vo- the first one. Fuck yeah. Uh, that's a six, uh, I believe it's six volume series, and it is one of the triumphant samurai uh, movies of the 1970s. Hell yeah. uh, it just gets goofier and goofier as it goes on, so... We'll check out the first one and check back with you. Uh, In the meantime, guys, thanks for listening. We'll be back next time with Lone Wolf and Cub. This has been Sex and Violence. See ya!